What's up, everybody? Welcome to Theology in the Dirt. We want to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. We record Theology in the Dirt from Global Impact Restoration Rome, where we work to address the foster care and adoption crisis in Northwest Georgia, Georgia, the Southeast, and the world. We practice our theology in the public square. You can check out Restoration Rome by going to restorationrome.org. My name is Mitchell Jolly. And I'm Chris Hayes. How about we get to some news? Listen, man, my soundboard skills, the ability to do two things at one time, like it's really training my one-track mindedness right here to look at stuff, say stuff, and play with the soundboard while I'm... I'm, I'm impressed. No, I'm I appreciate you being impressed. I'm not going to put you behind the soundboard at church yet, but we'll... <laughs> <laughs> please, <laughs> please don't. If we had an option here, it wouldn't be me. How many takes? We've only had to do a couple takes a couple times. That's true. Totally listened to a podcast last night coming back from uh, a trip we had to take yesterday, and... Uh, um, Haunted Cosmos, listen to that. And those dudes on this episode we listened to did a whole hour and a half and realized they didn't press the record button yeah, and had to go back and do it over. And so I was like, at least we haven't done an hour and a half's worth before, you know, having to do another take. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Well, here's our news. Uh, First Lady Rosalind Carter died on Sunday. Very, very sad. Uh, Georgia native, Georgia resident. Uh, just days after entering hospice care in her home here in Georgia, Rosalind was, uh, according to former President Jimmy Carter, Rosalind was my equal partner in everything I ever accomplished. Uh, she gave me wise guidance and encouragement when I needed it. As long as Rosalind was in the world, I always knew somebody loved and supported me. Miss Carter was 96, uh, married to the former president, 77 years my lord what an awesome testimony and served as honorary chair of the president's commission on mental health while the carters were in the white house and people might not know this but uh <clears throat> president carter uh hosted the sunday school class there's southern baptist church in south georgia and you could actually you had to sign up for this because secret service or whatnot but they would welcome certain guests if you want to come and sit under the former president's teaching in his sunday school class you come do that do you know that I did know that, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, I never did that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't care what you think about Jimmy Carter. I don't care what you think about his politics or his party, but uh, he's former president of the United States, Naval Academy graduate, uh, follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and um, Southern Baptist. Yeah. And, uh, and a sad day for, for President Carter and, uh, and the loss of his wife, Rosalind. So um, thinking about president, that's sad. Yeah. 
I don't know why I'm emotional. (laughs) It's bothering me. Uh, U.S. Deputy uh, National Security Advisor John uh, Feiner said Sunday, the United States, Qatar, and Israel are closing in on a deal with Hamas to secure the release of some of the hostages held in Gaza, noting the negotiating parties were maybe closer than we've been since the beginning of this process to getting the deal done. Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdulrahman, I totally messed that up, Al-Tani, uh, Cotter's Prime Minister said yesterday that the only remaining challenges are practical and logistical, but Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu emphasized after incorrect reports on Saturday of a temporary ceasefire that no deal has been reached. Israeli Defense Forces, the IDF, continued their operations in northern Gaza over the weekend, clearing Hamas tunnels, including a some running uh, under the Al-Shifa hospital. Israeli officials announced on Friday the IDF will advance into southern Gaza, the part of the strip where Israel has urged Palestinian civilians to flee. Meanwhile, Israel and Hezbollah traded intense rocket and missile strikes over the weekend in a sign the conflict in the north is escalating. Two United Nations-run schools located in northern Gaza, serving as shelters for displaced Palestinians, were reportedly hit by airstrikes over the weekend, resulting in dozens of deaths, though the UN official uh, did not specify who was responsible for the strikes. Yesterday, a ran-backed Houthi rebels hijacked a cargo ship in the Red Sea, reportedly owned by an Israeli businessman, and the Houthis took all 25 crew members, none of whom are Israeli, according to Netanyahu's office, hostage, and said all ships belonging to the Israeli enemy or that deal with it will become legitimate targets. And my final piece of news for today, House Republicans on Friday began releasing 44,000 hours of video footage captured by security cameras on January 6, 2021, in a move House Speaker uh, Mike Johnson said would allow individuals to see for themselves what happened that day rather than having to rely on the interpretation of a small group of government officials. Ultimately, about 95% of the total footage will be made available for public viewing. Uh, though individual forces will be blurred to protect civilian privacy and a small amount of content that includes sensitive security information will be excluded. Former President Donald Trump celebrated the move on True Social. He said congratulations to the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, for having the courage and fortitude to release all the J6 tapes, which will explicitly reveal what really happened on January the 6th. And that's brought to you by The Dispatch. That's my news for the day. Yeah, well, one of my two pieces was um, the passing of former first lady as well. So I'll just hit some highlights of her life and career since we we brought her up. Uh, she was diagnosed with dementia back in May and moved into hospice earlier this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a strong advocate and champion for mental health during her lifetime, pushing hard for policy. Um, she actually ran the family's peanut business for many years, uh, was a strong campaigner for her husband. Uh, she was actually known to sit in on cabinet meetings and was the first first lady to set up a policy office in the West Wing of the White House. Wow. Uh, she and her husband lived in a house they built in 1961 in their um, town of Plains, Georgia, and as you mentioned, celebrated 77 years of marriage back in July uh, to President Carter, who is 99 years old himself. Uh, she founded the Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregivers in 1987. She, along with her husband, received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1999, and she was inducted into the National Woman's Hall of Fame in 2001. She's also written five books and was a huge inspiration to women, mental health professionals, and numerous people around the world. So definitely rest in peace to um, the former first lady, an amazing woman. Yeah. And in local news, the minor league baseball team, formerly known as the Rome Braves, announced this week that they are now the Rome Emperors. Uh, this change came as many minor league teams are rebranding to avoid the increasingly high cost of using the name likeness of the big league clubs uh, and to be able to create their own identity. Um, so for those that are constantly fighting that this was a political move, it was not, has nothing to do with Native Americans. It's They want to save a few million dollars and be able to 
promote their own brand and sell some merchandise because merchandise sales as the Rome Braves, a percentage of that also goes back to yep. Atlanta. And FYI, if you're uh, if you're for an outsider hating on the Atlanta Braves, Cherokee Nation loves the Braves yes. and is very thankful for the Braves and is not upset at the use of the Tomahawk or even back in the day, Chief Nakahoma, just so everybody yeah, understands. Yeah, they're not changing their name either, which yeah. some people thought this is a prerequisite to that. But the new mas- mascot is going to be an emperor penguin. Um, awesome. Surprising to no one, there are mixed reviews. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny when these things happen and people act like, you know, someone has stolen their dog and like <laughs> spray painted it. But uh, personally, I think it's a great rebrand. They pay a homage yeah. to Rome with the name Emperors and have a fun and likable mask- mascot that will appeal strongly to kids and families with the penguin, giving them a unique identity. It's a great color scheme and logo. Um, I'm personally going to probably buy a hat. I think it, I think the logo is awesome. Looks I, good. I think it over time. Same with the Gwinnett uh, stripers. Yeah, everyone was outraged over that, and now it's a big hit. Yeah. I think this will pass on. And the colors, by the way, are Rome High's colors. Yeah, the black, the gold, the red, and the white. That's Rome High. Mm-hmm. So it looks like Rome High football, Rome High baseball, everything Rome High school, which is smart on their part to pick a color scheme that matches with the biggest high school. In Floyd County. Yes. But if I have to hear one more person go, there's no penguins in Rome, Georgia, I'm probably going <laughs> to yeah. throat punch them in my mind, not for real. <laughs> but I'm just like, come on, people. That's not everything has to be right. perfect. So anyway. I like it. I think it looked good. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. So that's my news for today. I like it. Well, how about uh, we remind you guys about some news. Uh, let's remind our Theology in the Dirt listeners about Magic Mind. You see it right there. Uh, if you'd like to try an all-natural, gluten-free, sugar-free, keto, vegan, and even paleo-friendly, amazing help to increase your focus and energy, you should try Magic Mind. Key ingredients like lion's mane mushrooms that are anti-inflammatory adaptogens that reduce anxiety and improve cognition and reduce neural degeneration. I think you'd be absolutely super pleased with Magic Mind. Uh, the creator of Magic Mind and best-selling author after a trip to the emergency room, um, James Bashar, was diagnosed with a heart condition, and his doctor explained that two major culprits were stress and too much caffeine, that those were related. Uh, he's running a company of about 50 employees, and his doctor told him he needed to do some things different. And so he needed to limit his caffeine and his intake if he wanted to have a long-term uh, healthy life and uh, work and function. He's going to have to limit his caffeine intake to about a half a cup of coffee a day. His doctor suggested some green tea uh, because the compounds in green tea help uh, extend the absorption of caffeine and gives him a calmness and alertness that's extended. So it had never occurred to him that adding in, an ingredient or a few alongside caffeine would improve its effectiveness and decrease stress. So with a decade of research into the space and place of nootropics, adaptogens, and functional mushrooms, and over 100 iterations later, um, Bashar came up with Magic Mind. And so that's what we have right there. Scientifically designed to boost energy, enhance focus, and create a sense of calm and alertness, and increased overall productivity. I'm enjoying Magic Mind. I think you guys will too. So some prolonged benefits. Magic Mind increases my energy and my focus into the day, and I feel more focused and just simply pretty good from the benefits. And so you can get it at magicmind.com forward slash theology in the dirt with the code TID20. You also get up to 56% off your subscription or 20% off your one-time purchase. That promo code is TID20 for 56% off your first subscription or 20% off your one-time purchase. It also works if you're already a subscriber because you'll save on your next subscription payment. Magic Mind has a 100% money-back guarantee, no questions asked. So there's really no risk. If you don't like it, they refund in three to four hours 
I really like it. I think you will too. Again, magicmind.com forward slash theology in the dirt. Code TID20 for up to 56% off your subscription. The 30-pack is the best value. We suggest you give it a try. Chris, how about we get in the dirt? Let's do it. By all means, let's go. Today, um, we are on the beginning of Thanksgiving week. And so, um, Chris, when you suggested we do uh, talk about Thanksgiving, I love it. I love the fact that we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. I told you this morning at the same time, I was like, dang, Chris, thanks. <laughs> Thanksgiving is hard for, for Thanksgiving is hard for me. Thanksgiving hard. I think thanks. I'm not going to put it on other people. Thanksgiving is hard for me. And there's a lot of history and background. Growing up was a challenge, and uh, I don't have the cleanest of, uh, I don't mean like I'm like a bad person and did bad things as a grown-up, but I have a rough, rough, rough background that's none of my fault. Um, and so I have an innate sense of, uh, of, of, uh, of not processing those things really well. Mental health is, and, and emotional health and growth, and that's been a big deal for me. Uh, part of that is learning to give thanks because I'm not thankful. And so, and so in my perspective, there's not a lot to give thanks for because, because you let those things sit back there. And I think people with a difficult background in history have, they maybe have trouble with Thanksgiving. Uh, so giving thanks can be hard because giving thanks requires vision to kind of see beyond uh, some of the things that cause us to lose God's perspective on things. And that's exactly for me. It's the loss of God's perspective on things. Um, part of what hard things do is they destroy perspective and, and then introduce the temptation uh, to put hurt front and center and then ruminate on it. And, and interestingly, scientifically, neurologically, sadness particularly is maybe the most devastating emotion because it has a tendency, I can't do the neurobiology well, you go read on this and you find it much more satisfying because I'll totally jack it up and mess it up. But it has a tendency to sit on itself and cycle. And and sadness undealt with has a tendency, it will lead to depression and anxiety. Um, that's how the brain works. And so part of the temptation of ruminating on hard things is you can sit in sadness. And sometimes people don't even recognize it's sadness. Um, and don't deal with it. And the result is you're not thankful. Um, but uh, we have this holiday stuck here in, in November uh, that has a history, um, a theological history, and a practical history of how it was established as a holiday in our country. And so I love the root of that biblically. And I'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But you're going to give us some of the holiday history and why we celebrate it and some fun stuff also. And then I'm going to come on the backside of that and talk about some biblical reflections on Thanksgiving. And just go ahead and confess, I'm, like, I'm, I, I think maybe my, my tears coming from Rosalind Carter <laughs> is the anticipation of the fact that I'm probably going to be emotional talking about Thanksgiving. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> here we go. I'm like a crybaby in front of everybody all of a sudden. So here we go. Uh, makes it more real. Yeah. They know you're not a fake. Yeah, I hope so. I feel like a, well, I'm not going to say what I feel like because it's an inappropriate <laughs> word. 
Next week's episode brought to you by Kleenex. No. <laughs> hey, Kleenex. <laughs> some good stuff. Yes. So as, as we dive into this week's holiday, uh, sadly, there are some elements that have been glossed over and frankly just changed when it comes to how we view Thanksgiving and the origins of it. Kind of talking right. about that first Thanksgiving, really. Uh, we've all seen or done the, the play or the pageant in school, probably, where we dress up as pilgrims or Indians and we're best friends and we eat some food together and, and they're welcoming us and everything is happy and yeah. there's just this great interchange. And, and that's kind of been the gist of the story that's been passed on through generations as truth when really that's not exactly how things happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'll before, let me preface the rest of this is by saying some of this is unsubstantiated as far as like for sure every little detail that happened, number one, because a lot of Native American history has been either deleted or just bludgeoned out of history so we don't have all of their accounts um, of everything. But with that said, most people believe Thanksgiving originated in 1621. Pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock. Actually, they first ended up in Cape Cod and then traveled down into um, Plymouth Rock, which is is now what we call Massachusetts, Mm. uh, celebrated with a meal alongside the Wampanoag tribe of Native Americans, I think I said that right, who lived in that area. Now, there's, there's actually zero evidence, though, that the Wampanoag tribe was actually invited to the celebration, especially since within a few days of arrival, the pilgrims had stolen many winter provisions from the tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, most accounts believe that actually the tribe wasn't even present when the pilgrims arrived, but that approximately 90 tribe members showed up after hearing gunshots by the pilgrims, which was done in celebration mm-hmm. that they had arrived, that they were uh, coming to colonize and to settle that area. It's believed that the Wampanoag tribe only joined the pilgrims after an alliance was formed through their chief, but even then that alliance was mostly because their tribe had been ravaged by the disease they got from European colonizers the several two, three, four years in advance to the pilgrims coming on Plymouth Rock. Mm -hmm. So other Europeans had arrived. Um, Many of them died through disease and rampant just lots of things, but passing that on to many uh, Native Americans as they arrived. And so the Wampanoag tribe was actually quite small at the point. So this became a an acceptance of this to come and be a part of this uh, alliance was mostly just due f- to survival mm-hmm. and just wanting to survive much less than it was t- to create this harmonious um, partnership here. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, there were many Thanksgiving-type meals over the next several years and celebrations, but those celebrations came um, to mark a victory over Native Americans in some kind of battle that took place where food and possessions were stolen, many Natives were enslaved, killed, imprisoned, or sold, um, so keep that in mind when we talk about the history of Thanksgiving. It's not exactly what we've been taught in school all these <coughs> years, uh, as kind of like those early, early ones. But and we don't know that they actually used that word back in the 1600s. But that's, um, but it became an American thing, and it, and it was a process. So George Washington actually instituted a day of thanks back in 1789 during the American Revolution as a, a way to give thanks to God. And this is back when you know. These founders were yeah. um, spiritual, and they believed in that. So um, actually, Adams and Madison followed suit. They also declared days of thanks during their presidencies. Uh, it was not an official holiday yet, though. Mm. In 1817, New York became the first of several states to adopt a yearly day of thanks, but all the states celebrated on different days, and it was mostly a northern thing at the time. So mm. most southern states did not recognize it or did not understand what really? the uh, day of thanks was about. In 1827, the noted magazine editor and prolific writer Sarah Josepha Hale, she was an author, and among countless other things, she actually wrote the nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Really? 
So it's just, just a small world here. She launched a campaign to establish Thanksgiving as a national holiday. Okay. And for 36 years, she published numerous editorials and sent scores of letters to governors, senators, presidents, etc., earning her the nickname the Mother of Thanksgiving. Hmm. When it became a national holiday was through Abraham Lincoln in 1863 during Civil War, asking Americans to thank God, and he scheduled it for the last Thursday in November. I think some of this was to try to bring some peace throughout the middle of this, you know, long civil war that had been taking place. Right. Um, but he's the one that first established it as a national holiday and set it for the last Thursday in November. It remained the last Thursday in November until 1939 when Franklin Delano Roosevelt moved the holiday up a week in an attempt to spur retail sales during the Great Depression. What? Isn't that crazy? I, I don't think I knew. I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know well. that either. Uh, FDR's plan, and get this, known to device, or derisively, as Frank's giving. <laughs> is that where <laughs> that's a that real thing? Black Friday is a real thing. That's part of where that originated. Um, Holy cow. But it was met with passionate opposition. So in 1941, the president reluctantly signed a bill making Thanksgiving the fourth Thursday in November. But a lot of the history of Black Friday does trace back to that, his original desire to try to get the. Um, that's a little going. bit disappointing. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I didn't know that. Like how ignorant. Am I? Like I should have. Ah oh, man. That gum. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the Pilgrims established Thanksgiving and <laughs> they did it in the name of Jesus. And I'm a buffoon. I mean, there, are, there may have been some that wanted I'm sure to do that. that I'm sure there were. I'm probably gonna get a um, nasty email now. I guess, but <laughs> somebody's probably gonna be like, maybe they'll send you a nasty true. email. They might. <laughs> I welcome that. Yeah. Hey, y'all heard that. Uh, but what has, so what has become known as Turkey Day, it's believed that about 90% of Americans eat turkey in some form on Thanksgiving, which is a bit ironic since turkey was not likely to have been served on the very first Thanksgiving as the main course. Uh, more than likely they were eating some, some form of fish or seafood. And certainly no desserts would have been served because there was a major sugar deficit in that time and there was a lack of ovens or ways to make desserts right, right. so they likely didn't have any desserts so mm. with that said mitch i have a hot thanksgiving take to share oh, and may get me blacklisted or canceled <laughs> but it sounds like i'm already on that path so we'll see yeah but i'm going to share it anyways look i like turkey i really do but i think ham is a superior holiday meat choice yeah you give me a honey baked ham any day over a dry turkey yeah give me some ham mac and cheese mashed potatoes green beans and some apple pie I, i'm not a big like you can you can keep the stuffing you could keep the cranberry sauce. My wife might, you know, leave me after that. She likes <laughs> some cranberry sauce. Yeah, um, I do too. I'm, I'm not like fan. a, but I'm not a, I'm not a pecan or pecan pie fan or sweet potato souffle fan. I'll eat that stuff, but it's not my favorite. Mm. But just give me the staples and don't forget the rolls. Nothing better at the holidays than making sandwiches with ham or turkey and some dinner rolls. Yes. But I believe you are going a different different route this year from Turkey. If you yeah. want to share that before yeah, we get yeah. into our serious, yeah, stuff. dude, absolutely. We're going we're going brisket, man. Dude, that's quality. Yeah, we got a, a smoked brisket. Having a <clears throat> my sister in law's friend neighbor is smoking a brisket that we that we got. So, um, yeah, man, that brisket is going to be legit. And so I'm fired up about the brisket. And and I'm I'm a sweet potato souffle guy, sweet potato casserole, whatever you want to call it. I think souffle has got egg in it that makes it fluffier. Mm. Uh, but I, I'm a sweet potato guy. I like pecan anything. Green beans are a necessity. And when we say, like, uh, we said dressing growing up here in Silver Creek, Georgia, and dressing was cornbread dressing. It had a little bit of white bread in it, but it wasn't the bread. Like, when people say stuffing, like some people, Yankees, put, like, bread and stuff inside the turkey and all the juices, which that sounds really pretty awesome. But down here, if somebody says stuffing, it's usually, like, some boxed thing or it's, like, 
cut up chunks of like loaf bread with some seasonings in it, and it's usually dry and spongy. Yeah. My mom, both my sisters do this really well, and I can I can do it too. I've, I've learned the recipe, uh, but cornbread dressing is the way to go. Like that's the way you put your you put your cranberry sauce, and I don't care if it's canned and jellied or homemade. Don't care. I like the taste of it on the dressing on top with your meat, preferably ham or brisket. Turkey's fine. I like meat. I'll eat turkey if it's sea- yeah. whatever. I don't hate turkey. I yeah. just if I had a preference. Yeah, I'm, I'm a preference guy. I want ham. Maybe I'm gonna go for a new tradition of a nice grilled steak, or maybe some steak nachos on Thanksgiving. Ooh, that'd be awesome. Absolutely, grilled steak. Yeah, but I, I'll eat turkey. But it's yeah. not a preference. I don't choose it. You know, and so it's got to be done right if it's That's, done at all. And it's got to. It's hard to do right for a lot of people. And if it's not done right, it's, yeah. it's just not good. Well, if you hunt and you actually kill turkey around here, uh, a killed turkey is not as good as a. I don't know how they raise them, but they're fattened for you because these bad boys are surviving. And they're a little leaner and they're tougher and a little more grizzly. I like its meat, but you know we just dressed a deer last weekend, and so I don't mind killing and eating <clears throat> meat. But if I'm my my druthers, I'm with you on the ham and brisket all day long. But that's my that's my food take. Well, if any of you guys have a hot Thanksgiving take or controversial opinion, let us know at theology <laughs> in the dirt at gmail dot com or comment in the in the comment section yeah. or something. Let us know we're. We're curious to know what your thoughts thoughts are and maybe what some of your traditions are. Yeah, and then some people who are upset that uh, some of us like Christmas <clears throat> before Thanksgiving. Um, sinners. Yes, <laughs> sinners. What's the song? You should probably Maybe that's why you didn't want to talk about Thanksgiving that, today. That, that could be. That could be. It's like, oh, you're going to impede my Christmas <laughs> celebration. Your video of the, it's like, uh, it's too early to celebrate Christmas. That's an awesome video. Did yeah. I get the tune right? That was it was really close. close for a non for a non musician singer. <laughs> that was very close. You should link it when we post the podcast. I have to link it because that was a great episode last year. Yeah. We talked about, it, and then I can link that video because you uh, played it live. I did play it live. That was the first airing. I've gotten good. some good feedback on that song. That's one of my favorite rewrites that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's it's pretty good. You guys should so you link it and you should go listen to it. It's good. So, okay, I got some Bible reflections, and his, this is, um, and so this is probably therapeutic for me to do this because it's helpful. Um, so I've got seven observations from Bible text. I'm going to give you the observation and give a Bible text. Um, it's theology in the dirt. And so I think Thanksgiving is probably easier for folks who don't have things sitting on them, inside of them, or over them that's uh, that that's a uh, an emotional mental challenge to not ignore if you don't ignore you have to the only way through anything is through it so you have to deal with it and I learned the hard way that you bury stuff and ignore it the, your body keeps the score and at some point that's gonna you gotta deal with it um, <clears throat> if you never had to deal with hard stuff Thanksgiving's probably easier and I'm trying to be judgmental uh, and so. Somebody can tell me if that's true or not. But for some who things have been harder, Thanksgiving is something you try to avoid, at least for me, I'm being honest, theologically, because the Bible's clear about Thanksgiving. It's mm-hmm. very clear about Thanksgiving. In fact, not to cut you off, oh. I just I made this note. Gratitude is mentioned 157 times in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And while thanks or Thanksgiving, some version of that is mentioned 72 times. So yeah, say go. it's important as, as an understatement. It's it's said a lot. It, it, absolutely, because it's ultimate issue of the heart. And because thank, thanks has to be directed. Like the, the whole idea of Thanksgiving, giving thanks, is, is an issue of gratitude. And gratitude has to be directed. Like 
gratitude just doesn't sit out there and float. Gratitude is directed somewhere. So to, to give thanks for something is to acknowledge that something came from somewhere or somebody and the intent was good. Right. All right. So, so that's very granular, but I think it's super important because, and, 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 and that's important because if we're going to have to do like some of the Bible texts say as I get on down the line here, um, I'm going to have to acknowledge that that hard thing um, Genesis fifty twenty spin on it has to be that ultimately it was the Lord, it was God, Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible, who has good intentions behind his sovereign mastery over it. Therefore, the command that I'll get to in just a moment when one of one of my observations is to give thanks for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't yet do that. I, I, honest to God, cannot yet do that. Just confession. Um, I know enough. Like I know. Like I, it's not a lack of Bible knowledge. I know. Um, been through my Bible now from the age of twenty to age fifty. Well, I'm just turned fifty-one, so I can't count your fifty. Oh, yeah, it's happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank Last you. Week, we forgot to mention that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Fifty-one years old. So for fifty years, no, I mean for uh, thirty years, I've been reading through my Bible. Old Testament once, New Testament Psalms twice a year, so whatever that math is. So I know Bible. The problem is the Bible confronts my heart. The Bible confronts, and, and I understand theologically I have a new heart, so I probably shouldn't say heart. The Bible confronts my soul's interpretation of events because I'm not thankful for things. There are things I am not yet thankful for. So, so to give thanks for them is an act of the will because right now I'm not thankful. But when I get to those places where I where the Lord causes makes me give thanks, I, I can truly say I can give thanks in the moment, but it's not far after that I go back to like I am not thankful for that. So so um and, and that's part of sanctification. The Lord is gonna get me there. He will complete what he has started. So I can confess that. So here we go. Giving thanks is worship, and our worship in all things leads to others giving thanks. And those people glorifying God. So the first part of that is thanks is worship. And our worship in all things then leads, second part of this first one, it's a two-parter, lead, leads to others giving thanks and then thus glorifying God. Psalm 50, 23 says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. Now that's insane. So the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. So in this psalm, David is talking not about bringing first fruits or the first of the of the crop or the first of the animals to the Lord he's talking about thanksgiving as a sacrifice mm. meaning the heart attitude behind whatever physically is brought to the Lord is one of recognition and gratitude that it came from you therefore I bring the first of it back to you so even the heart of giving is rooted in a gratitude, a thanksgiving to the Lord. He says, he who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. So maybe you go so many ways with this, but if I come to worship and don't bring that worship from a heart of gratitude, I am not glorifying God. Wild. So meaning the root of real worship is gratitude, thanks. Not 
uh, I need an experience. I need you to do something for me. Um, it is, I recognize you as the author and sender and source of all things. And in all things, I will glorify you. So this is yours, Lord. So that, that, that's, that's worship comes there. But that leads to, that kind of worship leads to, Paul will say to the Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.15 and 2 Corinthians 9.12, that kind of worship, that kind of service, that kind of thanksgiving leads to others giving thanks and thus glorifying God. This is how he says it in uh, 2 Corinthians 4.15. He's speaking about the gospel, and he says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. That's it's almost a Psalm fifty twenty three. Just and I would argue Paul's probably preaching. He has that text in mind because it's like it's almost the exact same wording. Meaning, as grace extends to more people, it increases in them giving thanks. So they're giving thanks to God as their worship, and the result is the glory of God. That's fascinating. And then Second Corinthians nine twelve, when he's talking about giving, and they're giving for the alleviation of the difficulty of the Judean churches. He says this ministry, speaking about the giving, this ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Mm-hmm. So the needs were met. What are they doing? Giving thanks to God. So you could take that one, and, and, and it roots in real worship. Real worship is rooted in a gratitude. A, a gratitude, Maybe gratitude and thanksgiving are, are synonyms, maybe so. Somebody maybe correct me on that or challenge me on that, but I would say a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving um, is where worship begins. Yeah, I and think so. Does that make sense? No, it does. I, I think that's exactly right. And, and I think this, even in that Corinthians 9, verse 2, like it's, there's a process. Like, thanks, like and you mentioned this at the beginning, it's a process. It's You have to, you're not thankful if you're not acknowledging something Right. was good or something was to your benefit, whether it's, right, you know, like if I give you $100, you know, like you're like, okay, that's that's fitting a need. Like I, I can use that $100. Right. I don't have $100 to give you. Sorry, but that'd be great. <laughs> but but you would be like, you know, right. I'm like, thank you for that. Mm. Like I, I'm acknowledging that gift. Yeah. I'm acknowledging what it meant for you to give it, mm. but I'm also acknowledging its benefit and intention for me. Yeah. And I, and I think – if I can go on a short trail here, I think this ties in with what we talked about last week when we talked about receiving, because mm. I think a big part of receiving is gratitude, is yeah. thankfulness, and, exp- and expressing that. And when we express that, we encourage givers to continue giving. hundred percent. Uh, if you keep giving, yeah. but you don't ever get that gratitude or that feeling of thankful, right? that's going to eventually mm. probably... It may not get you to stop being generous or giving, but it's going to have a negative impact, yeah. whereas gratitude has an, an, a very positive impact and a result. So I think all that come back to the fact of the Lord's always giving, and we our acknowledgement of that and our response to that is worship. So I agree that there's there's mm-hmm. different seasons in which we worship. So that, yeah. I think I don't think you're saying the only way to worship is. Thanksgiving, but I think that it kind of is too. I think they're connected be- yeah. all the time. We may yeah. acknowledge the Thanksgiving in those some of those moments of lament or of whatever that whatever yeah. season we're in. Yeah, but well, th- that is that might. I think we need to <clears throat> let's make a note and let's talk about that. Needs to be a podcast because I'm sitting here like my mind is my brain's on fire because I'm I'm going maybe 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 just very much 
there's a process to getting ready to physically, emotionally engage with the fellowship that maybe we haven't tapped into, that the Lord has a process. And part of that is preparing by cultivating a heart of gratitude so that when we do come together, all those things coalesce into uh, a moment collectively. It might, might be worth unpacking a little bit. Well, and I, I think that's I you, think that's a reason. Something. I, well, I think that's a big reason why we do the bulk of our and worship's not only singing. Right. I'll clarify that, but the reason we do the bulk of our singing on the back end of the service, which I had this conversation with somebody on Facebook, they were because they were somebody was asking just to post like your your order of service, and they found that fascinating that we did it that way. Which in I would say most churches don't. They do the bulk of their singing on the front end. Yep. But intentionally it was more so like, Hey, after you've heard from the word, let's respond and worship because of yeah. what we've learned. But that response, I think baked into that response and ingrained in that response is gratitude is Thanksgiving. Yeah, it is. That's Even if right. we don't necessarily, we may, we may not have labeled it that, Yeah, but I feel like that's at the heart of why we yeah. do it that way. It is. And why it's, I hate to use the word effective, but you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. There's a, that's thanks to Dr. Bruce Leafblad, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, Worship is communion with God in which believers by grace center their mind's attention and heart's affection on the Lord, humbly glorifying God in response to the revelation of his glory and his majesty. And so we, 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 I took that quite literally, that worship is a response. And so we took the Isaiah 6, what happens in Isaiah chapter 6, and we, our liturgy is literally almost straight out of Isaiah chapter 6 because everything that happens with Isaiah chapter 6 is Isaiah responding to the Lord's revelation of himself. So the Lord is gracious and kind and good. He shows Isaiah who he is, and Isaiah responds. Yeah. And, and and so worship is a, it is a response, and so it is rooted in us seeing and savoring and enjoying the Lord in all things. Um. And, and perhaps gratitude gets at the heart of how we can do that. Well, even Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving mm-hmm. and his courts with praise. So it's yeah. give thanks to him, bless his name. Like it's, it's just, like that's, mm-hmm. this is how you come yeah. into his presence, into his gates is with thanksgiving. I did, and I'm, I, you're right. That mine's on fire now too. Yeah. As a worship leader, I'm like, man, I probably could do better at mm-hmm. that reminding people of that yeah. sometimes. But and, and I can see instantly, I ain't even got the point too yet. I can see instantly where that some like it's going to be a conflict in people's souls at that moment because we all come we all come with stuff mm-hmm. like everything from had a rough morning to had a rough week or a rough year or a rough decade, and we bring that into those moments desperately looking for the Lord and fellowship, right? And so the idea that I'm hurting and you're going to ask me to give thanks, like that feels like, well, that's not meeting people where they are. But it's really not about meeting people. It's about inviting the Lord and us meeting him where he is. That, that doesn't mean the Lord doesn't meet us where we are. Don't misunderstand that. But there's a component of us entering his gates with thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That's that's right out of the text. And and so there's this sense in, in that he who... What does he say? He who offers thanksgiving in his sacrifice, as a sacrifice, glorifies me. So if I'm going to glorify God, if I'm going to worship him, I'm going to have thanksgiving has got to be part of that. Got to be part of the initial part of that equation. All right, number two. Here we go. Because, man, we, we, I think we need to talk about that some more. Thanksgiving is one way to be perfectly in God's will. Now I'm going to give everybody a homework assignment. There are five places in the Bible God's will is listed explicitly. So go look for those. Here's one of them. 
And it'll totally transform the way you understand the will of God if you go look those things up. Totally transform how you think that. But thanksgiving is one of the ways to be perfectly in God's will. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So it's God's will that I give thanks in all circumstances. There's qualification. It's not just give thanks, but give thanks in all circumstances. That's the one that makes me mad and at the same time makes me want to weep because it's not a command... It's the will of God. So if you want to get in the will of God, give thanks in all circumstances. I mean, the sucky stuff and the good stuff. And it's the will of God. So God's will is that I give thanks. That one could probably be an episode too, so I won't dive into that one. But I I agree with you when I have that passage written on here. Because that that comes right after rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of Christ Jesus. I know I just read what you just read, but still, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. that's hard. That is hard. There are times where I'm like, I don't want to give thanks. No, absolutely. I'm not giving thanks. No, thank for you <laughs> for that for that adversity and and hardship. Yeah. in my life. That's right. That's oh, interesting. Like uh, when we when we reject something, like somebody says, "Oh, you want another piece of pie?" You say, "No, thanks." Meaning, I refuse to be gratitude have gratitude toward you and putting that extra pie on my plate. <laughs> no, thanks. Maybe we need a new way I, to say I, well, no. I, I think no. that really means like no. But thank you for offering. That's what that's it supposed is shorthand. to mean. Yeah, that's but if true. you don't put the comma in there, it's like, no, no thanks from me. You won't get any thanks. <laughs> that's right. That will be on your on your receipt as well. So a comma is implicit <laughs> and very important in that situation. No, thank you. Just like in the Bible, punctuation is important. Yeah, and we're back. Is. My gosh, there you go. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Number three, Thanksgiving leads to contentment. And contentment is gain in this life. First Timothy 6, 6 and 7 said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. All right? Contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. So thanksgiving leads to contentment, and contentment is gain in this life. So I'm, I know I'm making an, an expositional and interpretive stretch there, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So I can't be content unless I have a heart of gratitude thanksgiving. Does that make yeah, sense? It does. So, so contentment is impossible without thanksgiving. Because if I'm not content, that means I don't have a heart of gratitude for what I have. That means I feel like I don't possess something I should possess. And therefore, I'm not thankful with my current situation. I may like what I have okay enough and I want something else, but I'm, I'm not ultimately thankful for the place that I'm at with what I have. Therefore, I'm longing for what I want that will get me to that place I want to get to. That I know it feels like I'm it's a word salad. Kamala Harris talking. But but it's <laughs> Yeah, sorry if you like Kamala Harris, but that's not a word salad. I think that there's there's a lot there. And so contentment is rooted in a thankful heart. Do you think that lack of contentment in those moments has more to do with us viewing like stuff like I have the right house, right car, job. Wish I had some of these things. Some of some of that is is that comparison piece we've talked about before and that covetousness. But some of that too, I feel like is it's just the wrong perspective on on gifts received and provision for us being intangible stuff as opposed yeah. to. Um, Spiritual things. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think so. I think it has a lot to do with how we perceive uh, what we have and what we've been given. And so <clears throat> I feel like I should have this. I don't have that. And so I'm not content with that. I'm not going to be happy till I get this. And so that lack of contentment 
then as I is, is rooted there, rather than being thankful for this and just like I'm totally content, I'm good with this. This would be awesome, but man, this is great. I'm happy. Um, that's a discipline, I think, um, and it's a discipline that's culturally and socioeconomically rooted, I think. Um, and so Paul even said, "I've learned the secret of being content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." So rooted back to my identity rooted in the nature and person of the God of the Bible, a uh, heart of gratitude toward him. And so whether I have a lot or have nothing, I'm content because I'm thankful. That, that's a, that's, that's a, some deep waters there. Mm-hmm. Number four, thanksgiving is an exercise of faith. Psalm 136.1, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Comma, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. So thanksgiving is an exercise of faith. And the reason I said that is, Give thanks because he's good and his steadfast love endures forever. That implies that you're exercising faith because when it doesn't feel like he's good, you're giving thanks because he's good and you know his steadfast love endures forever. Because mm-hmm. the psalmist who wrote these often wrote a lot of these psalms in the middle of difficulty. So they're saying, give thanks to the Lord. We know he's good and his steadfast love endures forever. Number five, thanksgiving combats Satan's lies. Psalm eighty four eleven, my favorite psalm. And probably my favorite verse in the Bible, for the Lord God's son's shield, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So because we're upright in Christ, he promises to withhold no good for me. So if he has if it's if it has happened, he has allowed it or sent it. Mm. Therefore well, and there's a big difference between allowed it and sent it that I think a lot of people struggle with. I think they do. And I think Genesis fifty twenty, boy. What you meant for evil, God meant it for good. So the implication when Joseph said that was God didn't do it, but God did it through them doing it. Right. So Joseph rooted it in the Lord. Although the Lord's hands didn't perform it, his brothers did. Joseph rooted it back to the Lord, and you could say allowed it to happen or causing it to happen, and I'm not... It probably depends on if one's Methodist or Presbyterian or which word they use there. I'm comfortable with either one. Um, I think Job is a little easier to say aloud, even though Job will say at the end of chapter 2, shall we accept good from God and not evil? And that's the inspired author writing with the full perspective of what he's about to write. It's the end of the story. He's coming back and writing it, and the author says... Shall we accept good from God and not evil? Meaning, at least in his mind, he he knows, because he's the divinely inspired author, Job lived it. and Somehow the Lord has revealed this came through the hands of Satan, but Job puts it back on the Lord. And so, allowed, done, I don't know. Well, because he has the power to prevent it or stop it. Yes, and he does know evil. So if it's bad things that are done through the agency of Satan or Satan's people, I can still feel confident that the Lord is doing good to me because he allowed it and or through their agency did it. And, I'm, and, and I know both, one of those are going to make people more uncomfortable than the other. But either way, the inspired authors of the text put it back on the Lord even though it came through the hands of other people. Yeah. And so no good thing to see withhold. So if it's good for me, he will allow it. 
It's like George Mueller preached this. It's one of the reasons I love this. George Mueller preached this verse at his first wife, Mary's funeral. I think she died of scarlet fever, scarlet fever, I think. And uh, his, his sermon, his exposition of this was, if it was good for her to live, the Lord would have healed her. And if it wasn't good for her to live and to stay with me, he took her. Yeah. So so he preached at her funeral, this is good. Yeah. yeah. Different. Horatio well, Spafford, uh, oh. the hymn it as well. Oh, man. Same principle there. That gum. And I just, I want to get there. Honest to God, want to get there. And I, and I think I think some of it, <clears throat> I think some of it. Of course, Mueller Mueller wasn't an old dude when he buried his first wife. There was just a theological robustness to Mueller because of how the Lord saved him and where he came from. Um, and I I would like to think I'm there. And I guess I'm just stubborn, um, and I am stubborn. But some of that is I want to get to that place where I can say, man, this is good. This is good. Um, my self map needs <laughs> get all psychological. My self map right. needs some work. Number six, I'm almost done. Thanksgiving makes me live in the present. Ecclesiastes, man, Ecclesiastes is such a rich book. This is the first year in all the years of reading through my Bible that Ecclesiastes landed on me in, in a positive way. And I fell in love with the book this year. And to the point, I'm like, we need to preach through Ecclesiastes at some point. Anyway, Thanksgiving makes me live in the present. Ecclesiastes 7:10. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. That's like, that's the good old days, people. Ecclesiastes is saying, don't say that. That's not wise. So Ecclesiastes tells me that Thanksgiving makes me live in the present. I'm thankful for the present. I'm not leaning on the good old days. And I can look back at him and see the testimonies of the Lord's faithfulness. But he's got me right here right now. He's got you right here right now. And so it's not wise to go, oh, man, can we just go back to the good old days? No. He's got me in the present. So what I should look at is... I have a heart of gratitude for being here. My gratitude isn't buried back there. My gratitude is right here with me in this moment, the sovereign Lord of the universe. So it makes me live in the present. Mm. And then finally, Thanksgiving is a testimony of the Lord Jesus' faithfulness. Psalm 105, 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. The the parallel rhyming that's happening here. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the people. Basically what the psalmist is saying here is giving thanks to the Lord, calling on his name, and making his deeds known among his people are all the same thing. Yeah. So there's giving, thanksgiving is a testimony. It's a proclamation of the Lord Jesus' thankfulness. So I give thanks, I'm calling on his name, and in that I'm making his deeds known among the people. So there's a proclamation happening. So Thanksgiving's a testimony to Jesus' faithfulness. So those are my those are my things. And you got some good takeaways for us. Yeah, I got three takeaways today, and, and some of it's a little bit of overlap, but I think it's still important to share. So my first one is don't just feel thankful, express it. Um, kind of in the same line of if if I tell my wife I love or if I if I love my wife, but I don't tell her and I don't show her, then do I really, mm. you know, and, and, or, yeah. and, or she would have the right to question that. And I think, I think it's important that we express our thanks to God all the time for everything. We should also express our thanks to gr- and gratitude toward each other as well. Mm. Um, I'm still working hard to ingrain this in my daughter every day, uh, eight year old, just as it was ingrained in me from birth. And I think it's more than just using good manners. I think we kind of right. call it that, but and we should, but we should have good manners. Absolutely. But genuinely expressing thanks to others and to the Lord who give us something or do something for us mm. should be a huge part of what makes us believers. Yeah. So be sure to tell people you appreciate them and thank them for the 
thank those who deserve it and tell them why. Mm-hmm. I think that's another piece as well. Absolutely. Uh, number two, I know holidays in general can be stressful. Uh, many of you are traveling to be with family or hosting family and friends, and the stress level can rise quickly. could be just be because you get overwhelmed with crowds or worry about what your house looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe your family situation is not a great one, and the thought of entering a negative environment is not pleasant. And all that's understandable, but uh, so my – takeaway here my encouragement is in light of all that is to simply do your best to be a light in the darkness be thankful for what you have um don't stress the little things and be kind even if those even to those who don't deserve it Mm. and then number three make thankfulness a part of your everyday life thank god every morning thank him every night thank him throughout the day even for the little things i know it's kind of a silly example but there was a time where i felt like i was really struggling to thank him for things and so i would thank him for things like Lord, thank you for that green light that helped me get mm. to where I was going wow. on time. But, Lord, thank you for that red light for protecting me maybe for something that could have happened. And, 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 and that may seem silly, but I think it gets us – and what it does is it mm. trains our perspective and our understanding of things and his provision and his sovereignty over our lives. That's good. Um, when we have a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude, at least to humility, mm. and it gives us a perspective of realizing nothing is ours. Uh, James one seventeen reminds us every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Mm. And then one of my all time favorites, I wanted to circle back to this cause I thought it was a good way to end is also your favorite Psalm 84 11 for the Lord God is the sun and shield. Mm. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Mm. So I just encourage you go in peace and live in that today and throughout this week and this season. Amen. That's good stuff. Guys, we appreciate you listening to Theology in the Dirt. It's a joy to do this. Uh, it's a joy for us to have to refine our thoughts and talk stuff out, and uh, we appreciate doing it, um, and we appreciate you guys listening. And so, actually, and I, not just because we're doing an episode on Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for you and thankful for the opportunity to do it. It's sharpening for me, and it's a joy. And um, and it's a, it's a joy to do it for you guys, and we know that some of you guys who give us feedback and talk to us, and um, we're thankful for the feedback, and we're thankful for you guys listening. So we would appreciate it if you would share the podcast. You give us five-star rating. You leave us a comment. You can share it with friends and family. Uh, you can check out our sponsor. You can go to Magic Mind. Um, all kinds of good things you can do. If you'd like to ask us a question, something you'd like for us to talk about, you can email that to theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. And until next time, out. That's why I brace myself every minute Try to hold on tight for